What a sci-fi Saturday night. Oh, that's right. I, uh, listen, and this is good. Thank you for having me on. This is Adam West and AdamWest.com. Don't forget that. AdamWest.com, we have so many goodies for you. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From the back alley of the side room of the Area 51 Jawbreaker Desugaring Plant and Salvage Facility, it's once again clickbait for the years. Welcome to TalkCast 395. This edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight with Convention Overload, I am your host, the guy with the 1950s hotel room out of a David Lynch fever dream, The Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight in uh, the Peabody Time Tunnel, sitting at the Sci-Fi Saturday Night help desk and gaming pavilion. It's our own prodigious prestidigitator of protons and electrons, Kriana. <laughs> Well, there we go. <laughs> I don't think she's going to say anything tonight. I don't know why. Tonight, we're going to talk about the current state of the independent comic creator and the new look for some of the work that they're doing. Our guests from HP Comics are Chris and Alan Hebert. Guys, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. It's great to be back. Always great to be here. It's a, it's like we never left, isn't it? Honestly. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> um, Oh, the one thing I did want to tell you guys before we got started, uh, for the for the audience at large, uh, HB Comics and, and Sci-Fi Saturday Night spent last weekend at Vermont Comic Con. It was it was the bridge on the river Kwai with with comics. <laughs> um, it, it was actually a lot of fun. We met a lot of new people, um, met some met some old friends. Uh, I had breakfast with with Chris and Alan both mornings because we were staying at the same hotel, pretty much out of a David Lynch fever dream. Uh, Except that you had, you know, hot water in your hotel room. I, I did. I did have hot water, but it was only if I took a shower at 518. By six o'clock, it was gone as well. So, you know, there's there's that. And and, and um, I want to thank all the people at, at Vermont Comic Con. Uh, who came by to see us uh, and uh, and uh, and bought a book or sat and talked to us for a few minutes about the current state of podcasts and stuff they're listening to and stuff they'd like to hear. Some people who who've been listening to us up there uh, got a chance to talk to us about uh, some of the things that we've been doing and some of the stuff they'd like to hear. They'd like to hear more Kriana. For myself, I don't know why, but I swear, as Gob is my witless that one person actually said that. So <laughs> exactly. So there was that. And, and, 
there, there were some very interesting people, uh, some of which we're going to have on in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so, some wonderful authors and some wonderful uh, artists from, from the Vermont area. But meanwhile, uh, Chris, Chris and Alan were there. And, and of course, the weekend previous, Chris and Alan and HB Comics and Sci-Fi Saturday Night were, were both at Granite Con in Manchester, New Hampshire. And while we were there, HB Comics took that convention to debut uh, issue number four of Team Synergy, which is their their latest title. And um, how how was the reaction of of your 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 buying public to issue number four? I'd say it was pretty positive. Yeah, very strong. There's there's a, there's a lot going on in issue number four that that was a logical extension of what happened in the first couple of issues. Let's talk for a little bit, if we can, about where the idea for uh, Alan, where, where, where Team Synergy came from for you and how you developed it before you let Chris grab it and run, as he tends to do with virtually everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, probably about five years ago, I was watching two of my nieces, and uh, I was trying to find something to put on TV for them. I wanted to put on something superhero because, you know, of course, you want to try to brainwash him into that as you know, much. You want to get him into it as quick as you can, absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> the first one's always free. Uh, what I ended up putting on for them was Sailor Moon. And I'm looking at it, I'm thinking to myself, this is essentially a, a Japanese version of an American superhero cartoon. But it's all girls, and but there's nothing like this in America. There's no all-group teams like this. And I actually just got the wheels turning. It's like, why, why isn't there a comic book for girls like this out there? If I bring my nieces to a convention, what am I going to get them? So, you know, I, I thought about it and thought about it, and I started looking at old characters we had, you know, created and thrown to the side. We, we have this, uh, this moniker in HB Comics. No, no character ever goes to waste. So many times we'll have a that, it's it's true. So many times we have a character who's like a side character for something else, or a villain that we don't really feel all that strongly about, or a, a failed like possible member of a team that just didn't make it. We end up taking it and sort of reconditioning it and using it for something else. Yeah, so I sort of went that route with it, and uh, eventually I came up with what would be Team Synergy. Yeah, and I knew from the beginning I wanted to create almost like a breakfast club feel to it. We had uh, girls from different social groups that would be forced to be forced together because they're cousins. And, and you, okay, so so the build was they're all different, all from different areas, all from different backgrounds, but they're bound together familially because they're all cousins. Yeah. And yeah. What makes it unique from my standpoint <clears throat> is that over the course of those three books, those first three books, they get a chance to look at each other. And there's a lot of comment about how they're all different from each other. And as, as it moves forward, the comment changes from how different they are from each other to 
their similarities and it begins to bond into a team. But it, it is the, within those first three volumes. Um, and I mean, I hate to call it juvenile because it's really not your My Little Pony type of, of, uh, of book. You've got superheroes. You've got real things going on. You've got uh, real world real world problems in a superhero setting. <clears throat> and then in issue four, which is at this point out for about a week, uh, maybe two, you get a change not only visually, but contextually and 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 character wise. So the context is slightly more sharp, slightly more focused, slightly more adult. The characters are popping out of the page now, and and, and the the script itself seems a lot more focused and driven because you've had the chance to explore who they are already. Exactly. I think there's two things that happened when going from issue, uh, the first three issues uh, to issue four. And that is, uh, number one, you know, that when we kind of wanted to establish this as, you know, sort of like a Saturday morning cartoon feel where you could kind of jump right in, we knew that we'd be aiming for a slightly younger demographic, you know, as well as, you know, through the older, I, I still, you know, contend that, you know, this, this book is really for anybody. But, you know, specifically something that would um, encapsulate the imaginations of uh, younger girls who maybe didn't have anything out there for them. Um, so I feel like we wanted to jump in and be like, hey, look, there's actual action and superhero stuff going on. So, you know, that, that first issue was really about jumping into the middle of an adventure with mm -hmm. these characters, sort of giving you a, a, a shorthand kind of a Cliff Notes version of like, you know, okay couple lines from each girl that sort of establishes their character so that you sort of know the archetypes they belong to and, you know, sort of come out of that with this feeling of, okay, the stage is set. So then when we go into issue four, now we can really have fun with, you know, you got an idea of who the characters are. Now let's start to see how they interact with each other and sort of flush them out. Um, sort of like how in, uh, you know, a new hope, you know, the, <laughs> um, arguably a little bit more thinner drawn than they were in empire strikes back where you really it's it's because so much setup needed to happen um the other thing which uh, we really didn't talk about with you previously was that um you know we had had a, a change in the artist um our original artist uh, scott shriver um decided that he wanted to step back from making comics he'd been doing it for years nonstop. And, um, you know, we, uh, we had this big, you know, call out there um, for a new artist, and we found the new artist, and uh, his name's PR Dennis, and uh, he's amazing, and we just got so inspired by the stuff that he was giving us. That so so, so how, how does this happen? I mean, how, you, you have a, a you, you go on your Facebook page and go, we're looking for an artist. We're looking for people who like to draw. Remember that thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you got, you got the little parrot and the little pirate guy. Exactly. You know, if you can draw Teddy the Ruxpin, yeah, send us that. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Well, I mean, it, it was really about, um, you know, it, it really wasn't all that different from that. We, um, we put together a post, you know, with uh, images from the book and said, we're looking to do something like this. You know, if you're a, a comic book artist, you know, message us if you're interested. And, and we got, and we got some, you know, contact from people we knew, which I was actually surprised. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, he uh, Heather Farrington and, uh, Leanne Engler, who we see at a lot of conventions, both great people with, uh, really unique art styles. Like we were strongly looking at them and, uh, they may still be doing something with us. But, um, at the last moment before we really made our decision, um, PR sent me a message saying, Hey, I saw your, your ad and, you know, here's a link to my portfolio. So I'm like, okay, let me check this out. And my jaw hit the floor. I came bursting into, uh, Alan's computer room with my phone out and I'm like, Al, take a look at this. Like you need to stop and see this right now. How... How difficult is it for you guys when you want to put a project like this together? And, and I, I know there's a lot of writers and artists and, and companies that work this way where you're not connected. You're not in the same room. You're not in the same city. You're not even in the same country in this case. So how difficult is it to, to get across to the person on the other side of the Atlantic, where you want to go, how you want it to be, that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I think technology bridges that gap beautifully. I mean, there was a time that I would not work with an artist who we couldn't get on the phone with, so we could explain the fine points of what we're looking for. Um, and, you know, Danny, who does Vindication, you know, like I, I always talk to him on the phone, like to this day, I've known him for about 10 years now. And, um, you know, on the, on the flip side of that, we have, um, Fernando Martin who does, um, mystery man, and we've never spoken to him outside of, uh, outside of texts, you know, through messenger. And, you know, we have a great relationship with him. So I feel like the technology is <clears throat> really bridged the gap. I think more important than anything else is finding someone who's into doing the project. Into doing what? Into doing the project. Okay, yeah, we had a we had a project that we were uh, putting together that you know we have another artist for now, but um you know the the previous artists um, that I, I tried out a few of them before I found someone that I liked, and uh, you know I was going back and forth to some people who just they did not seem into what we were gonna do. It was like it was a job for them, you know, like I'm paying them, they're gonna they're gonna make the book, and that's all well and good. But when you get someone who's excited about it, I mean, PR is enthusiastic. He loves what we're doing. Um, he's plussing what we're doing. We get pages back from him and he's like, hey, I did this because I thought that, you know, it would give us a couple extra beats to show the girls reactions. Um, you know, I hope that's okay. And I'm sitting there like, okay, it's perfect. You absolutely it's clear that he doesn't just look at the scene and say, what are they asking for? He's like, what are they trying to convey? And if he thinks he has a way to do that better as an artist, he'll put it out there and be like, Hey, do you want me to do this? Because I think that that would get it across better. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the kind of person you want to work with. And if you have that, it doesn't matter where they are. It really doesn't. And I think that's what makes uh, some ind independent creators and some independent companies work. And it's certainly, for as long as I've known you guys, 
which has been a long time, uh, <laughs> that yeah. there's always been an underlying passion. Uh, I've never seen you say about any work. Well, yeah, here's here's another book. We, we this guy had an idea, and we found him an artist, and and we're we're just doing it. I've never heard you guys say that. What I hear you say constantly is, this is a project that took a lot of work from a lot of people who really loved this idea. And and that that passion, when it starts in the foundation where you guys are and works its way up, makes for some great, great output at the end. And I've got to tell you, Synergy uh, Volume 4 is is really wonderful output. It really does the job. So let me let me ask you let me ask you a question, uh, which is silly of me to say because if I'm not asking questions, this is going to get dull real quick. Uh, oh. I never really found out what it was that got you guys started with this. How, how did how did that happen? Obviously, yeah. When did you first meet your brothers? I know that much. So. <laughs> Well, Chris has always been drawing as far as I can remember. Since he could hold a pencil, he was drawing. I was never much of a drawer, but I was a bit of a writer. And uh, Chris went through a period where he started uh, drawing superhero after superhero after superhero. I blame Secret Wars number one, and I blame Alan. He showed up <laughs> with um, a poly bag and had all 12 um, issues of the Secret Wars. And I recognized most of the characters from media, you know, Captain America, Hulk, mm-hmm. obviously. Had no idea who this Wolverine guy was. Never heard of the Fantastic Four. No idea who the X-Men were. And um, Alan, uh, you know, reads the first issue, then hands it to me. And I remember sitting there waiting for him to finish issue 10 so that I could grab it from him because I had caught up. Nice. And that's really <laughs> when I started drawing superheroes. Um, and of course, you know, being an artist, I immediately started coming up with my own ideas. And there was a point, I think, where Alan sort of looked over my shoulder and was like, hey, that actually that actually doesn't look like a four-year-old drawing." Yeah, at one point I'm looking at it and I'm saying, wow, it's actually getting really good. And of course, being into comics myself, I'm, you're trying to think of my own superheroes. And uh, eventually I started coming up with the idea of Laser Man. And Laser Man was the first time you guys worked together on, on a solid idea? Mm-hmm. It certainly was. Uh, I remember going into our room. Chris was, you know, lying across on his bed. We used to actually share the same room when we were growing up. And I said, Chris, your art's looking great. And I know you like to draw. And you know I like to write, which apparently... Spoiler, I had no idea. It was the first time I had heard it. I was like, uh... Okay, sure. You have no reason to lie to me. <laughs> I say, well, why don't we, uh, why don't we work together on comics? And then I told him I had a character named Laser Man. At that moment, I was like, "Oh my god, Laser Man, really? Like, great! What did I just get myself into?" It's my brother. I have to do something. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like I, I feel like a lot of people have that initial reaction to Laser Man. You know, like it, it really does sound like like what do you spend five minutes thinking of that name? It's like the most generic. Can I can I be honest with you? I felt the same way the first time I heard it. You're absolutely yeah, right, and that happens. 
And, <laughs> and, and it's not until you start to look at what we're actually doing, you realize that the entire point is that that character named himself that because it is the first thing she thought of on the top of his. I mean, you know, it's about a comic book geek who gets superpowers. So, of course, he calls himself Laser Man. But, of course, I didn't know that at the time. So I was like, oh, great. What did I just get myself into? Little did I know that Laser Man would dominate the next 20 years of my life. So how old were you when, when you guys first started doing, like, Laser Man and stuff like that? I was 14. Okay, uh, that's, that's, like, really young. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that, like, we always had on our plate. We'd use those characters in role-playing games when we played, when, when we played like, superhero online games like City Heroes. Those are the characters that we'd make when we... Uh, you know, um, we did like the DC role-playing game, the pen and paper, you know, dice game, mm-hmm. you know, we'd make those characters. And, uh, you know, I think it was, it was probably, it was early 2000s, I want to say that, um, you know, we kind of looked at it and said, you know, let's really sit down and start doing this. I had, I had a book that I, I had like a version of Laser Man number one that I've been drawing since I was 14. That was like, I was in the middle of issue two and it just, it, it looked like a 14 year old drew it. And I just, you know, we, we, we kind of looked at it and we're like, uh, I think if we start from the beginning and sort of, you know, like this was a good rough draft, let's start from the beginning and really do this. And, um, you know, that's how we got issues one and two done. When was it that you guys first figured out that you were going to be kind of tied together on the comic book page? I feel like it was that day back in, you know, 1992 when Alan was like, Hey, let's do this. And, you know, it's really been since then. Yeah. The strange thing is that, you know, we've had all of these characters. We've had all of these, um, these titles plan. A lot of it, we don't even have out yet. Um, I mean, we still haven't even shown our full hand at this point, 20 years later, but, and, and 10 years into publishing. But um, I think what's interesting is the team synergy is the one thing that we didn't have back then. We, we have 20 years worth of developing, you know, um, Laser Man, Vindication, Mystery Man, Legion of Justice with, with our friend Kenny. Um, Team Synergy is something that Alan only came up with about five years ago. So it's interesting that, you know, we have this, this need for a book like Team Synergy. And as a result, you know, it sort of leapfrogged over um, the, uh, some of the other titles that we were trying to get out because it just it sort of demanded its own place in our lineup. I have a feeling that somewhere in your parents' house, there's all these spiral-bound notebooks of scribbling mm-hmm. scripts and, and, and drawings and all this stuff. But that would they're be interesting to look at. Uh, they're about 10 <laughs> feet from me. I have, I have those original pages in a file cabinet about 20 feet from where I'm sitting. Um, and we have those spiral-bound notebooks sitting there on top of them. We actually keep them, keep all that stuff. Do you ever go back and look at them? Sometimes uh, I did it the other day. Um, it's uh, it's sobering <laughs> sometimes, but like I said before to you, I think in this take, um, you know, the, uh, an idea never goes wayside with us. Like there are so many characters that are old characters that we had that we sort of refitted. Most of the characters of Team Synergy um, were lying around our universe in one form or another. Uh, Scatterbrain was a villain. Um, that was going to be in the third arc of Mystery Man. Um, Glitterbug and um, uh, oh, who's the who's the other one who was? Uh, that's really what I thought it was. Scatter- oh yeah, that's right. Scatterbrain. Scatterbrain went to both. Yeah. Scatterbrain's gone through a few different 
iterations. Yeah. So, um, Scatterbrain and, and, uh, um, Glitterbug were going to be part of this other team of like teen characters that I had come up with that the concept was way too convoluted and sort of it fell apart. Um, she got salvaged and made into a mystery man villain. Um, all these characters were around our universe in some form or other and in places that we weren't really going to use them. And Alan sort of gathered them up. And, um, you know, I think the only one that he came up with for the series, once he put it together as a series was hot pink. All the other characters were around our universe in some form or another. That's insane. I mean, it's wonderfully insane, but it's insane. (laughs) Oh yeah. So in in the, uh, in the, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say like a real, real, uh, real fun story. Um, you know, the, uh, the idea of, um, in laser man's, uh, seven and eight, I'm sorry, eight and nine, um, uh, the strange self mystery man, the villains for that, um, you know, diamonds, foo-foo and the, uh, and the diamond, uh, uh, Madam diamond and, and her, the diamond girls, um, is, was one of those old ideas that we'd had just sort of kicking around for future use. And it was like, when we were putting together the um, the arc with Mystery Man, and we needed some kind of lower level villains that Mystery Man could beat up without his powers, you know, we sort of like pulled them off the shelf, dusted them off, and reworked them. So it's something that we're constantly doing. So right now in the HP universe, you've got Vindication, you've got Mystery Man, you've got Laser Man, and you've got Team Synergy. Yep. And you're working all of these at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it's basically the two brothers and whatever artists they can find to work with it for each project. Uh, you, do you have artists cross over from project to project? Actually, um, in in very rare cases, usually we don't. I mean, our our goal is always to get an artist and to keep them from the get go. I, I also want to mention our, our friend Kenny has been here with us since pretty much the beginning as uh, he's the third writer. So really it's, it's us three writers, although me and Alan are the owners. Um, Kenny's also a big part of it too. And um, Kenny created mystery man. And he's also going to be the writer on our next coming book, Legion of justice, which is actually from the universe standpoint, it's really one of our more important books. Yeah, we've, we've always considered that there are three pillars that sort of tell the core story of our universe. Legion of Justice, um, Laser Man, and Vindication. And they're all equally important. And uh, that one should hopefully be out in October, November sometime. But uh, it ties in because the artist who does that, Rodney Jacobson, uh, did the first issue of Vindication. Originally, when I, um, when I was trying to get Vindication out, um, it was a little bit time-sensitive because you know, there were certain things happening in laser Man that would lead into vindication stuff and vice versa. So we kind of needed to get that out in a certain time frame, And uh, I didn't have an artist for it yet. And um, Rodney was, was working with another small publisher and I was sort of friends with them through that. And, um, you know, I, I kind of asked him, I'm like, dude, can you like maybe do like a couple issues of this just to get it started? And he, he was really laid back. He's like, yeah, I can probably work it in. You know, I, I'll, I'll do like, maybe two issues for you if you want. And I said, great. And he started work on that. Uh, I don't think he was three or four pages into it that I actually found Danny who I had known, but I thought that he was tied up in another project. And it turns out that he had left that project. So, um, you know, long, long story short, you know, I talked to Danny, got a pinup from him with the the vindication characters on it. 
offered him the job and uh, I got to go back to Rodney and say, Hey, you know, I know that you have other projects you're working on. So just worry about issue one. I got an uh, I got an artist now and Danny's been doing it ever since. Um, now the cool thing is, and the way that these things work is that Rodney finished the issue and then sort of disappeared to like do his stuff. Years later, we sort of reconnected again. And, uh, he was like, yeah, you know, I'm available if you want to work on something now. And I was like, Hmm. So we have Legion. So actually <laughs> the artist is going to be doing Legion of justice. Um, and, uh, he's doing a spectacular job on it. It's quite, quite an improvement too, over the last few years. Um, like he, he's so pro level. It's scary. Um, you know, now he's going to be, he's going to be doing Legion of justice and he's the same guy who did, um, vindication one. So we don't really want to, we, we want to keep the same artist on the book indefinitely. We we just, you know, there are problems and, uh, you know, the, these things are obviously second jobs for a lot of people, third jobs for some. So, uh, if we can keep the same artist on a book for as long as we can, we'd love to do that. But when we lose them, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's serendipity. Cause again, I, I, PR is the perfect artist to work with for uh, team synergy. And we wouldn't have gotten him if Scott didn't decide that he was going to step aside and do, do other stuff. Right. By the way, I, I don't know whether you guys are aware of it, but in, in the 400 and I'm sorry, 395 episodes thus far, we have seven members of the five timers club people who have uh, been on the show five or more times, you are now the sixth official inductee. HP wow. comics is now part of the five timers club. That's amazing. <laughs> I feel like Alec Baldwin. Well, or, or something or Paul Simon, whatever you want to call out of that. Listen, exactly. Good things happen when there's passion for the project. The passion is evident in team synergy. Number four, if you're a parent looking for a comic book for your kid, grab it, get it to them, enjoy it with them. There's something there for all of you. Chris and Alan Hebert from HB Comics, passionate about what they do, passionate about what they bring, and it shows in everything that comes out. Guys, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having us again, literally.
I know.